podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am joined currently by Kevin McCluskey, and I'll also be joined. We will be joined by Lawrence Conley. Um, today is deadline day when it comes to the transfer window. Kevin McCluskey, we will be talking all about that. We'll be talking about the aftermath of the Rangers, the Rangers uh, game, the result, uh, but also. Uh, it's the first time I've been on since that and uh, obviously there's been a huge amount of coverage and quite rightly so on the scenes um, that have resulted in you know, video f- footage being circulated amongst um, all over the internet actually in relation to some of the behaviour of some of the Rangers fans both outside and inside the stadium and we're going to have a wee chat about that as well. Um, and when Lawrence is in, we can talk about uh, the ins and outs at Celtic Park and we'll also talk, Kevin, about us being drawn with our old friends, or is it foes, Ferenc Faros, because you are pretty well placed to talk all about that. So, top of the show, explain to us where you are and, and how you've got such a good knowledge of one of Celtic's opponents in the Europa League group stages. Yeah, uh, so I'm actually based out in Budapest, been here for the last four years now, yeah. So... Yeah, get to get to quite a few of the, the Ferenc Varos games. Uh, most of them are actually shown live on the TV as well. So I've, I've watched quite a lot of them over the last few years, especially the, the European games. And they've had a couple of good runs in recent years through the Europa League and then obviously last season into the Champions League. So, yeah, um, a good side. Um, one that will give us a, another tough game just like they did last year. Yeah, we spoke we spoke to you in the lead up to that and um you know you gave us a really good insight so much so that I think you were the Hungarian football correspondent for every other channel thereafter and that's fair enough because you've got that insight um it would be fantastic uh, obviously to speak to you again maybe even on the day when we're covering the game uh, it's a big fixture we'll also talk about how that fixture's been um changed and rescheduled and uh, how that's a a wee bit really when you're looking at it you know not certainly with the fans um best wishes at heart but when is it ever so? Um, so a couple of uh, points coming in on the comment section if you are watching on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch. Thanks for getting involved. A Celtic State of Mind is streaming on all of these different services and platforms. And if any others become available, we will join them as well, getting the word out. This is a Celtic State of Mind. We are talking um, the biggest day of the season so far being transfer deadline day. Who are we going to bring in? It's pretty clear who is going to go out. And we're going to have to look at how we've actually done in this window and how we've got into a situation, Kevin, as well, where we're losing players and people are saying all oh, right you know that's not a bad fee for Edward and it's good to get a couple of million quid from Chris for Christie but we really need to look at how we got into that position and I know that you've got player power and contract talks have been ongoing with the likes of Ryan Christie but in terms of assets and the amount of money that we have lost just in the value of assets as well as bad signings over the last year it leaves a bit of a, a bad taste in the mouth when you're losing 
Edward, potentially for £14, £15 million plus add-ons. And Christy, I mean, some of the transfer fees that I've been reading about are between one to two and a half million quid. This is a player, and don't scoff at me in the back for anybody before I say this, that, you know, a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, you'd have been talking about him in the same kind of breath um, as Chris Ayer. You know, you would have been looking at 10 plus for, for Ryan Christie. Now, I'm not, I'm not being revisionist, and I'm not just saying it because he's had a good uh, spell in the first team under Ange. That was the kind of figures, and I'll tell you the story about the Inverness Cali official I spoke to around about that time, because uh, obviously they've got a sell on as well on the player. But how disappointed are you there, uh, Kevin? We kind of expected to lose these two guys. I'm more disappointed in the deals that Celtic are getting for the two of them. Yeah, I think we've all expected that those two would be the, the two that would leave in this window. So it's probably not a surprise that they are going, but uh, the fees that we're getting, is it's not reflective of the value of the players. A um, couple of seasons, well, start of last season, had we let Edward go, you could have been looking at 20, 25 million for him, which is would be good money if we were willing to reinvest that back in the squad. Mm-hmm. Same with Christie, again, like you say, he'd be a, a 10 million pound player at the start of last season. But we've let them both dwindle their contracts down. We've let them both become unhappy. Performances have dropped. Values dropped. So now we're paying the price for that. Yeah, we certainly are. And I mean, we could probably dedicate a whole show. And we will be talking transfers tomorrow with uh, Colin Watt when he's back in on the Wednesday Bulletin. Um, We could dedicate a whole show to the kind of mismanagement. I mean, Celtic for a long time were given a lot of kind of plaudits and rightly so for the way that they were able to bring in a player, Kevin, uh, develop them, put them on a platform in the Champions League and then sell that player. You know, Van Dijk being a tremendous example of it. Victor Wanyama, we did it with a number of players. Um, And even, you know, recently, more recently, Moussa Dembele, you bring him in for half a million quid, you sell him for 20. And we were able to do that with so many players uh, but two guys who I think were, were big assets. In fact, you could probably say three of them because Chris Iyer was in that bracket. Three big assets that are leaving or have left Celtic this season. You know, had we managed it better, we could have had tens of millions of pounds more. And that's my biggest frustration. They're leaving the building. We wish them the best. We'll talk about them individually. But we also have to look at who's coming in and if we're happy with that as well. But this is your first opportunity on a Celtic State of Mind to have a chat about the, the Rangers game. It's the first derby. Uh, massive challenge, I think, when we came up against Daisy Alkmaar. We were calling it the biggest game of the season. Um, you know, after, obviously, Mitchelland, where we got bounced out. We managed to get through the tie. The momentum was still high, even though we got beat um, away, away from home in Europe. We went into this game against Rangers I'm not going to say fully confidence, but there certainly was a spring in the step, Kevin. There's a momentum, there's a positivity. We're either buying into Ange Postecoglou or we're bought into Ange Postecoglou. And then Sunday happens. So talk talk me through your kind of view on the game and what went wrong. Aye, um, I've been thinking a lot about the game, as most of us have since then. and I, I still can't actually decide how I feel about it and how it went. I felt for the first half, we were at least equal with Rangers. We Obviously, Edward had that chance that he should have scored. If he gets that, that totally changes the game. We're in the ascendancy. And we'd probably go on and win because I don't think Rangers were threatening much at that point. Then, the second half, we just fell out of it. We didn't seem to have a plan B when Rangers stepped up a little bit. The goal that we lost is the same goal we've lost for the last 18 months. Yeah. Can't defend the set piece, which is it's criminal at a level. Um, and obviously, you know, you lose the game. You don't want to lose any game, especially not one of your biggest rivals. But I'm not overly disheartened, despite all the negatives <laughs> that I've probably just come up with there for it. Because last season, that team would have capitulated, I think, against Rangers. Like we went in the races against them for the majority of the games we played last season. Mm-hmm. At least this time I felt for a period we were at least level. So there's there's definitely positives to take. But then on the other hand, I look back 18 months ago, two years ago, that's a game we would win comfortably. So I think that that's the thing that hits me most is how far we've fallen. 
Mm-hmm. We're actually looking at a defeat and thinking it wasn't that bad after all. But uh, it, it is because you can't afford to lose these games. No. See the, see the big thing, Kevin, and I've got to welcome Lawrence Conley into the discussion. Lawrence, how are you, sir? As well, I am, sir. Uh, how are the pair of the both of these? Yeah, you're looking well. I, I watch I watch these uh, dialings on the likes of Sky Sports and people are uh, strategically placing their artwork behind them. Uh, David James has always got a different bit of artwork or when Pat Nevin's on, it's always a copy of his book, Front Facing. Lawrence, I hope there's nothing scribbled on that whiteboard that's going to get me into trouble because my eyesight's so bad. What does it say? We're magic. All right, that's fine. <laughs> it's just graffiti on the wall. <laughs> right uh, the whiteboard what I can't even need that up the cell so oh, that's fine it's nice and clean I thought it was some kind of formula um, on how to you know how to uh, make it work in the transfer market for Celtic today there doesn't seem to be a formula there are going to be players coming in players leaving Lawrence but before we get into the nitty gritty of that and also talking about our, our Hungarian opposition uh, who will be facing next month. We're having a wee overview of the Rangers games. First time I've been back on since the match day stuff on Sunday. I've not had a time to to really discuss the aftermath. Yeah, a lot of it happened before the game, but the aftermath was that, you know, there were videos circulating online. Uh, Police Scotland have made a statement. Rangers have made a statement. I think the big issue for me with this, and yeah, you know, any kind of offensive behaviour, language, abuse has to be called out first and foremost. So on that note, uh, we had an incident last week where, uh, you know, Axon was targeted and uh, one of our contributors was targeted vehemently and incessantly, uh, which is completely unacceptable. And they're targeted from, um, you know, the same kind of group of people who obviously find a reason to target someone within our podcast or because they've got a Celtic association and they will not let it go. And that that kind of targeting, uh, the kind of abuse that people are getting, the per- the personal kind of abuse is offensive um, at the best of times. And we've seen it online, we've seen it on the social media channels and uh, what we've now seen is on a wider scale, Lawrence, the racist element. Um, so they're targeting, uh, you know, there's, there's anti-Irish uh, chants that we've heard. We've seen the, the abuse of Cubo over the last couple of weeks and indeed at the game on Sunday. Lawrence Conley, you are someone who has faced this throughout your life. What can, what will be done? I mean, we know what should be done. What do you think will be done? I mean, coming out and making a statement is all fair and well. Uh, coming out with a campaign, that's fine as well. But we need action. We need to stamp this out as society as well as uh, out of football. Well, listen, it's definitely a society pro- problem, but, you know, I th- think the statement's all about, you know, the footage that emerged at the weekend. Well, is that the 50, near 50,000 in Ibrox singing racist songs for almost 90 minutes? Or are they talking about a 30-second clip of about 30 or 40 guys singing it? You know, what's worse here? Because I think that most of the condemnation is about guys singing at a girl street. So it's kind of okay if you've got 50-odd thousand. We won't condemn that. Listen, the only way I, I, I see is, uh, I think Tony Haggett, he's a big advocate of deducting points, to, you know, to get outside, of, get out of football stadiums. And, you know, some people say one side's as bad as the other. Well, you know, there was no Celtic fans there. <laughs> you, you, you cannot argue Sunday was anything other than Rangers fans saying that. It's So what will be done? We've had a bit of lip service. You know, how quickly will the police investigate? I don't know, but you would think that it's not going to be too hard to identify it. Mm-hmm. Rangers have said, you know, if there's any season tickets identified, so I don't know if they're going to supply stadium CCTV. I'm pretty sure there was no Celtic fans. They'll know who they sold all the tickets to. They'll know who's sitting in the seats. Yep. How far do they really want to take it? Or do they want to just say, you know, we won't deal with near 50,000, but we'll just deal with 30 or 40 that's singing in a girl street. It's... Mostly it's just lip service, to be honest. Uh, and y- y- you've seen that kind of on social media, you know, call it out. Weren't invited on <laughs> BBC Scotland to discuss it. Listen, mm-hmm. it's an anti-Irish problem. Let's not discuss it with people who are representing the Irish community. Let's discuss it with people who don't represent the Irish community. It- it- it's a strange way to deal with things. But, uh, I-, I think, you know, other than deducting points, what's really going to stop it at football? No, I think it's a good point, Lawrence, because as you say, 
the, the issue uh, exists in society. Um, and it comes to the fore often because we are a football show and we're, we're watching football games. It comes to the fore in terms of our points of discussion when we experience it at the football. So it's a society issue which often comes to the fore when it's within a stadium filled to the rafters, being screened worldwide, and it happens there. And I think the point in terms of the football side of it is very, very well made that if you start hammering, hammering the club in terms of points deductions, because even fines sometimes, you know, we've seen clubs getting fined and they pay the fine, they move on, it happens again. And I just think if you actually deduct points, um, that's where you can really make a huge change. And it just occurred to me before we, we speak about transfers as well, Lawrence, is that why you were late? Because you were drawing that graffiti up on your whiteboard up the Celts and all that. Because no, if so, that's I, fine. That's, that's worthwhile. No, no, I was I able had, to introduce Kevin. I had a cyber attack uh, and I had to reset all my security. So, Dear yeah, so, yeah and because I've got like, you know, three steps, it's three layers of security. It takes a while to reset everything. So, yeah, so that's why I was late. But, but listen, if they don't see as long as it's allowed in football, that's going to be like a signal that it's allowed in society. You know, yeah, yeah. We, we touched on it actually last week when I said, well, you know, I think the quality act was six to eight or something that came in, but Rangers are allowed to operate a discriminatory signing policy. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. For years and years after, we no consequences on them. So they're allowed to openly break the law in terms of discrimina- discrimina- discrimination and who they signed. But what does that say to their followers? Listen, it's okay to discriminate against the guys. We do it. You know, football is mostly tribal. People identify with the clubs they, they follow. Well, if it's okay for them, if it's okay for the club, that means it's okay for them, doesn't it? And I, I think, you know, as long as we say it's okay to happen in football stadiums, nothing really happens. Well, why would people change? No, it will continue oh. unless it's, uh, it's tackled at the very highest level, Lawrence, without a doubt. And um, although we've not had an opportunity to speak about it until today, it's not something that um, we will dedicate the entire show to today, but obviously we will be looking at uh, how that develops and we'll talk about it as it goes on as well because it affects a hell of a lot of our viewers and uh, you're tuning in from all over the place. We're getting a lot of Australians tuning in. We've got a lot of that, uh, the game on Sunday. Um, and lots of Japanese followers as well. So welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. We're talking transfer deadline day. This is one of these things that's been it's been given the Hollywood box office treatment, Kevin McCluskey. You know, it's one of these things that the, the broadcasters love it. They've got the ticker tape. They're going to watch it right down to the wire. Some of the fees that you see down south are sickening. Never mind Watermount, uh, you know, uh, for me, mouth-watering. They're sickening, some of the fees that you see. Um, but there's a couple of things we need to talk about. And before we move into things like the Ryan Christie deal, the Eddie deal, and who's coming in the door, I was asking Lawrence, uh, just before you came in there, I was asking Kevin uh, all about how underwhelming it is where you've got a player like Eddie. So let's start with Eddie um, and what he's done at the club. 23 years of age, not yet a full French internationalist. Uh comes in for nine million quid from PSG, who of course have got a forty percent sell on clause for the profit of any sell on fee. And he's gone off the boil. That's what's happened. He's gone off the boil last season. There were signs, I've got to say, Lawrence, but then Sunday comes along and he has another 
you know, poor uh, performance, I would suggest. He looks to be leaving the, uh, the club for between 14 uh, to 15 million quid. That's the, the upfront fee. It might rise to about 18 and a half. Is going to Crystal Palace. What's your thoughts on that deal, and also on the transfer fee, the makeup of that deal? I know, obviously, the Christie and the Eddie deals are coming down to the length of the contract left at the club, but it is disappointing when a player like that leaves. I know it's good money. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that you know we've not really managed that situation that well, have we? Well, I suppose it goes back to how we managed last season's transfer window. We changed our model, or the board changed their model in pursuit of winning attendance. Players like Eddie who would have been sold. And at one point we were talking 40 million for this player. He's surely Scottish football's first 40 million player. We're kept on. Same way Ayer was kept on. We changed something that had worked for us uh, in pursuit of winning the 10. So we can't sell these players. And, and it didn't work. You know, we took that gamble of changing a, a transfer or a way of dealing with players' contracts and moving them on and turning a profit. And the gamble of winning the 10, it didn't work for us. He's got a year left in his contract. There's no doubt he's uh, forums dipped, whether that's down purely to application or mindset. You know, he just doesn't want to be here. Who knows? Or he, he, he literally isn't, you know, he just lost form. I think it's decent money for a player, uh, what, 10 months left in his contract? If mm. that, 10, 9 months on his contract. So, you know, he get another four months he could speak to people for free. We've still got a decent sell on on it. We've brought in a, over 50 million this year in transfer fees. Oh, and all, uh, I think he had to go. You could see that, he, he, you know, it wasn't working with him. And said, you know, that was one of the mistakes on Sunday, playing yeah. him in the middle of Kyogo. Mm-hmm. But probably one of the big misses for Sunday is Greg Taylor. The, the team was, as much as it, as good as Juranovic looked, I don't think the team was entirely comfortable with a right-footed guy playing left-back and and just the way he could play the left-wingers. And I'm not playing him, and maybe that's why Kyogo didn't look that good in the left in the same way with Christie. But... All in all, you know, I'm, I'm happy Eddie's kind of, he's moved out. Yeah, you know, I'd expected us to get at least double that for him last season. But where we are, where we are the market's fairly depressed. There's not mm. been as much movement as you would have thought. And he's, he's off for him with a short contract. It's kind of, how much could we really push that? Uh, but to get less than Christopher Ayer for him is a bit disappointing. You know, strikers are normally at a premium. Yeah, I mean, I've I said time and time again that, that Eduard, I would have loved, Kevin McCluskey, I would have loved to have seen Eddie and Dembele playing for a period of time at Celtic. That that was the thing that I thought would have been a great partnership. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know, any other club that's looking to get that partnership could probably do it for a decent enough uh, fee. He's gone to Crystal Palace. How do you think he's going to do at that level, Kevin? I mean, has he shown you enough? And I know that he's performed well for the French under twenty one team. Has he shown enough to say that he's going to go down there and he's going to he's going to use Crystal Palace to step up another level, or is this his level? I think it's a <clears throat> it's a strange one in a way, Crystal Palace for him because he's going to have to go down there and be the main man, the main striker, and I side that's probably going to battle against relegation. As, as good as he is and as much as, as highly as I rate him, I don't think it's the right fit for him. I don't think it's the right team. So mm-hmm. I, I think he could go down there and struggle. Um, he would be better suited maybe at an Everton, someone like that that's kind of mid-table pushing for Europe, plays an attacking style of football that's got other good players that can play around him. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does down at Palace and, and how he... Kind of rises to the challenge of having to be the main man in, in a, a relegation threatening team. Yeah, I look at uh, some of the players that have gone down from Scottish football, uh, and you look and you think, well, you know what, they're going to get another move, so they're going to do the Andy Robertson thing, aren't they? And the players that I'm thinking about are the likes of Kieran Tierney. I think he's going to he's going to leave Arsenal. He's going to take a step up. I'm not saying it's happening right now, but I think it is going to happen. And we spoke about that when he left Celtic, actually. You know, um, is this it for Kieran Tierney? Is this him now getting to that level, that peak level that Kieran Tierney can get to? And the discussion we had is no, he can go, he can go bigger, he can go higher than that. Um, I also get the feeling that uh, when Chris Iyer goes to Brentford, no disrespect to the club, because I know they've got a really impressive outfit in there. I do think that there's potential there for for Chris Iyer to. 
um, improve and get another move, you know, and then we'll be looking at the transfer fee and thinking, wow, John McGinn's another example going down to, to Villa. If they were to sell him now, he, he would step, certainly be making a step up and it would be for an incredible amount. What's your thoughts, Lawrence, on Eddie and what the future holds for him? Sometimes you forget that he is only 23 years of age. I mean, they're getting a player down uh, at Crystal Palace who still has bags of potential who could still develop. Listen, if it was the idea of two years ago, we wouldn't even be having this discussion because he was on such an upward trajectory. The problem is his forms kind of fell off and a lot of that, I think, is to do with application. Aya yeah. was always trying, you know, Tierney was always giving the all. I think maybe Eddie, and it showed the last few games, it's not that easy to switch it on and off. You know, once you've kind of let it go down and dropped your standards, try to get them back, not as easy as maybe he thought it was going to be. So... I think he'll do well for Palace. Could he have got a better team? Well, who else was in for him? Bordeaux. You know, it's in many bids. I think a few teams have looked at him and went, you know what, that boy could have been cracking. But last two seasons, his application and games has been somewhat questionable, I'd say. And, and maybe they just don't fancy that. Maybe they're saying that's something we don't need to really, you know, things start going against them here is that way to do it is. So maybe they don't want to bring it to camp. I think he'll score goals down there. Yeah, and I think he, he will do better in Palace, but I think it's going to, you know, he's got a lot of hard work ahead and he gets form back. Mm, he certainly does. Um, like you say, you can't stop and start form. You know, it's about momentum. It's about confidence, particularly with, with a striker. I'd love to see him doing well. I've got to say, I would love to see him doing well now that he's, you know, almost definitely out of the building. We'll be talking about Christie. We'll then be summing up what we feel about the window. Sean F comes in on YouTube. Thanks for joining us, Sean. We needed to add more anyway, even with Christie and Edward. You know, uh, by the way, even if they'd stayed, we had to add more. And I agree with that. You know, there were positions on that part. And it feels now that we're just replacing them. So I get Sean's point here. Um, and then it looks as though perhaps there's going to be a flurry near the end of today uh, before the window shuts at midnight and a couple of loan deals will come in. Um, and again, I know it's difficult. It's, it's very difficult to, to manage a transfer window, but the key is always, Kevin, to come out of it stronger than you went in. I mean, yeah, it'd be great to have all that money sitting in the bank, but unless we're going to reinvest it and make sure that we've got that centre-half that we're crying out for and we've got the cover on the left and we've got another striker in the door, it looks as though some of the, the positions will be filled, however. But it can be frustrating if uh, you, know, you look at the ins and outs and we appear to be weaker. Do you think that is going to be the case, even if we bring in Giacomakis and uh, Yota from Benfica as well. I mean, that's the left-hand side, that's the forward. You could almost say like for like, Christy and Edward, but we still don't have that centre-half that we're crying out for. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree with that point, that what we seem to be doing just now is just moving one out and bringing one in. It's like for like signings. Um, I haven't seen enough of Yota or Giacomacchus to know if they're going to be better players than Christy or, or Edward, so are we maybe even lessening the quality of the squad by bringing these two in? So it's a hard one. And I, I just, um, I, I really want to say that we're going to be stronger coming into the window, but heart and hand in hand, I don't think we are. I think, I think we're going to come out a, a weaker side than we went in, uh, which I don't blame Ange for at all in any way, because he's had a massive job in this rebuild over the summer. He's basically having to rebuild an entire team. Mm -hmm. so any anything that he's been able to do that's that will improve us, it's going to be small improvements. But you know, I think overall key areas we're still lacking in players. As you say, centre half, we need that commanding centre half, the boy that stops the Rangers goal. We need him, yeah. the boy that goes and wins that ball in the air. We need, for me, still someone in the centre of the park. McGregor's excellent probably my favourite player at the club at the moment I think he just dominates the midfield but he needs someone alongside him it might be McCarthy but with his injury worries can you trust him to last the full season so we need a presence there as well um, probably the front three you'd be more happy with now if, if we're bringing Yota in Kyogo through the middle Forrest and Abada on the right that's fairly strong but yeah I, I do feel that there's key areas that we're we're still going to be lacking in and it's the areas that we've been lacking in for two or three years 
places we've known we've needed strengthening and just haven't done it. No, you know, that, that is the biggest frustration. It's a number of transfer windows. Um, and, you know, if you come out just that little bit weaker uh, over a period of time, then all you need to do is look at the last five or six seasons and the amount of players that have left the club who weakened the club and were never really replaced properly. I mean, Tierney's a classic example, Stuart Armstrong. You ask yourself, have these players been replaced? And, you know, if they have been, they've been replaced with lesser quality. And that, that's the frustration because over a period of time, your competitors catch up with you and overtake you. Now, Durban Kulshi, we need backup or better in three key areas of the pitch. It will have to be loans on big money at this stage. We cannot hand Champions League football to the other Glasgow club. Now, we've spoken time and time again on the podcast, Lawrence Conley, about the short-termism of bringing in loan deals, but it looks as though, you know, if anything beyond the two players that I've mentioned uh, are to come in, then we're probably looking at loan deals. Uh, we need a centre-half. You know, there's this big thing like, you know, Julien's coming back and that's going to be a magic wand. You know, we were critical of Julien when he was playing as well. I, th- I still think we're short at centre-half. Julien's, uh, you know, he's been out a long time, injury. It, it, how's it, how long is it really going to take him to get up to speed? And will he come back from injury? What kind of players, if you're critical of, of him before, he's surely not going to come back a better player. Yeah. I said it could be loans. I think with Stafford, it, it, uh, is free over in Germany centre half. It used to play forever. You know, there's a few free agent centre halves that could possibly look at as well. But we definitely need a centre half in. Uh, Taylor being out, geez, we need a left back even more so. You know, we, we, we thought we needed cover before. Taylor gets injured, unbalances the team. I think, and you know, was a big reason why we didn't win on Sunday. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any moves other than the boy scales and I've not really seen much League of Ireland football and I don't know what kind of standard he is but I, I was hoping that we we're going to bring in someone uh, better than Taylor or at least you know as good as to challenge him for that position left wing if it's one out one in well, we needed more cover that's not more cover that's the same you, you know and the, the boy uh, the forward it's one good season he's had you know, it's kind of what's it, what's it going to be like? Can he replicate that good season? Can he not? Eddie had to go, but surely there was you, <laughs> we were in the eye anyway. Because you know, if Griff's gone as well to Dundee, you're, that's two out, one in. It's you, you know, you're struggling. I think for cover all over the park, centre mid. You know, Callum showed up Sunday. Did anyone else in the midfield? It could be McCarthy, you know, maybe he'll change that, but he's got injury problems, we definitely need cover. Robertson's going out in loan, so it's not going to be him. It's There's a number of positions that need addressed, and surely the club have the money. I mean, 50, over 50 million money brought in. Uh, we've not exactly splashed the cast, have we? Yeah, you, you know, we're not. No, we haven't. We're definitely not. And you could go further back with Frimpong. You know, and it's about, you know, you're selling a player for £11.5 million. In his case, you're bringing in a low knee. When the low knee returns to his parent club, you're bringing in Tony Ralston, who, by the way, I think has played particularly well. I thought he played really well against Rangers as well. But it's about losing a player and not sufficiently replacing them. So if you take the, the Edouard scenario, for example, we brought him in at £9 million quid, And I think at that point, that was a good bit of forward planning because at that time, Dembele was still at the club. Now, I don't think Edward was a direct like-for-like replacement because they're two very different players, the way that they play. But at least we had the quality there prior to uh, them barely leaving. And I think what's happening is we're, le- we're losing Edward, and I'm not writing off any of the new guys coming in, Liam Scales included. But Gio Kumakis, as is, is, uh, Lauren says here, Kevin, yeah, he has a, he's had a great season in a club, the club that he was playing for. Um, has been relegated, and I know you know quite a few of his goals were from the penalty spot. But it's a different calibre of player than Odson Edward coming in from PSG, you know. And uh, when you first seen his performances as a loan player, uh, you you realised this guy's the real deal. You knew that he was going to cost a hell of a lot of money, and indeed, he has the record signing to this day as a Celtic player. That, that's the record amount of money we've shelled out on one single player. And it'll probably take a long time before we um, exceed that. So I'm a wee bit concerned. And uh, I'm also concerned that two or three loan deals coming in, a flurry of loan deals 
at the kind of last couple of hours of the transfer window. And only then can we really look at it and we will be analysing the entire window tomorrow. I've had a couple of people in the comments section saying that my picture is uh, blurry. So apologies if that's the case, or maybe not. Maybe it's better, Blurry. I don't know. If it's sort of focused, it might be actually better for your experience. Um, but if we do drop out, uh, Lawrence and Kevin can keep the show running whilst I get it sorted out. It's those gremlins that Lawrence said at the beginning of the show, creeping into the studio. You mentioned Lee Griffiths. Now, this may well be the last show for some time uh, that we have to speak about Lee Griffiths because he has been the subject of a lot of discussion, a lot of debate and a lot of drama uh, since the Celtic State of Mind set up the bulletin just over a year ago. The the story is, the news breaking is that uh, Dundee are going to take a, a chance on him as a loan player. He knows the manager from his time at Livingston. 100% uh, this is the right deal, Kevin, isn't it? Let's get Lee Griffiths out and playing elsewhere. I think so. I think it's the best thing for him and it's the best thing for Celtic. He's had far too many chances and he hasn't taken them in the last couple of years. His career suffered. His, obviously, his, his mental health has suffered over the last couple of years. And I think I think the best thing for him is to just get a fresh start somewhere else, somewhere where he's going to feel at home again, feel loved, get games. <laughs> um, and I, I hope it's a success for him. Because an on-form Lee Griffiths is a is a joy to watch going forward. He's a top striker, so I I hope it really works for him. Um, and then it would work for Scotland as well, which would be a nice knock-on as well that the Scottish national team could get a an on-form striker as well, which would be a good boost. But um, I I want to go back as well, just on the, the point that you were making about Edward to say that. I think you're, you're totally right. He was probably the, the last signing that Celtic made when we actually showed a bit of forward planning. Yeah. We, we haven't done it since then. Um, and we brought him in, as you say, on loan. He had a, a season to bed in for us to get to know him. No pressure on him at all to perform. He did perform. He rose to the occasion. We brought him in. And we had a succession plan for him to become the number one striker. And we've never done it for anyone else in any other position since then. Right back probably been the, the number one position where you think we should have because Lustig's been away for about two or three seasons now and it's just been a succession of loan signings that's come in mm-hmm. to take that position. So, yeah, like I say, yeah, I, I, I totally get that point with, with Edward being the last but uh, actual good proactive transfer management that Celtic's, Celtic's done. You're right, you're right. It's almost as if we get to a critical point. I mean, you think of the situation with the goalies, you get to a critical point. And, you know, when, when your first your first pick um, is injured or the form starts waning or it's time for them to leave the club, it's critical we need to bring somebody in. We, we never have that player at the club. Um, and no. sometimes, in the, in the point, not, on the point of Ralston, yeah. yeah on the point of Ralston, he, he's there, he's there and we don't utilise him. Exactly, and for most of the positions in the team, we've probably known that player X is leaving in a year's mm-hmm. time, and we haven't done anything to bring the next boy through. And if it was to be Ralston at right back, then he should have been in the team two seasons ago. He should have been getting buried into the team anyway, a couple of years ago, to make sure he was actually ready for the step up when it when it came. But uh, yeah. we just don't seem to do it, which is which is appalling for a team of our size. No, you're right. And I think that there was an element of that period of time. I'll throw this one over to you, Lawrence, where, yeah, the project, people say a project signing someone you bring in for two and a half and you sell for ten. That's fine, but a project signing always is also someone who you're bringing in and they're not what you would say first team ready, but you're developing them potentially for six months, 12 months, maybe even 18 months, so that then you've got that succession planning I mean, time and time again, we brought in players and we thought, you know, they could be a successor to Scott Brown. Scott Brown left and we still didn't have the successor. You know, that, that was the bad planning that we've, we've had for a number of years at Celtic. Yeah, but listen, a project's anyone that you, you think you can bring in and, and improve, isn't it? You know, and get better for performances out of them. Chris Iyer was one. He came in. Leo Sheld was one, but he's come in and, and gone rather quickly, hasn't he? He didn't mm. see the weight of the first team. You've touched on it with Brown. Classy looked as if he was going to be uh, a player. He actually had a decent game at Tynecastle, then get injured. And, you know, never heard of again. But 
Our success rate's pretty low because we have brought players in. You've touched on it with Brown. A number of guys were going to be, you know, the success at the Brown. But for whatever reason, they're, they don't get minutes in the first team. We never really see them or that the ones that do do get minutes just haven't been good enough. Uh, there's been other players brought in. You could put Shred in as this that managers don't know anything about. Mm, <laughs> you, you know yeah. that. So who knows who's signing them at a time with, with loads of wingers. So, so it's a bit, it appears a bit haphazard at times. Surely you're going right. We need at least two players for every position. What's the, the a player's contracts? Can we get this up and let, let's get some, some planning going? Right. Who's in the youth? Who are we bringing through that could possibly replace one of those two? It's, I don't know, it doesn't sound complicated, but we managed to kind of, it's almost as if we don't have a plan, isn't it? You know, it's, it's certainly... It's that it's strategy, yeah, 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 right. It? Yeah, you know, it's that strategy. And the manager's going, we don't need, need wingers. I need, you know, maybe another right back, but not wingers. It, it's just bizarre, isn't it? It just seems to be off the cuff a lot of the time. Yeah, it has been. Actually. Yeah, it has been. And I think that, you know, in many ways, it's the complacency of saying, well, for a number of years, if we had a problematic position, we can go and spend a few million quid and solve it. And a lot of those few million pounds were, was money down the drain. We see it again. We're talking about a centre half. I'm going to get a, a few points in before we talk about the curious case of Jack Hendry. So Stevie Boy comes in on YouTube. Thanks for getting involved, Stevie. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry we're talking about Eddie here, I think, but his lazy play will get found out Hope he has a nightmare, him and Encham. Um, well, he gave up trying. I think a lot of, I think Encham certainly what had checked checked out big time to the point where the club ripped up his contract, you know. And when a club does that and it's costing you money, you know that there's an issue. And uh, you wonder, with with all that talent, with all that technical ability, and I mean Encham and Edward, you do wonder sometimes where they're going to take it, what level they're going to take it to. Encham had a, a look at uh, Marseille or they had a look at him and he was sent back to Celtic. So a lot of these players have got kind of high ideas, highfalutin ideas of their, uh, you know, their uh, ability. But if the application's not there, uh, all it takes is one or two spells at clubs, and then they will have a reputation, and you will often find that they will eventually find a level. Um, Daniel, Daniel Mack comes in once again. Ayer off to a good start at Brentford. I honestly think that Chris Iyer will get another big move. I think that I'm not going to call Brentford a stepping stone. I'm not going to be disrespectful, but I think that that's a player. And I, you know, I know his deficiencies, and I know Celtic fans, in terms of his defending and his heading, um, had concerns about him. But I think he's a player that is continuing to develop, and we will see a big move. There was talk about AC Milan. I mean, they confirmed it themselves, Kevin. AC Milan were interested in this player. He was a player of interest. He could make another step up from Brentford. What do you think? Absolutely. There's a real player in Ayer. I don't think he's a centre-half. Um, like he's got too many issues there, certainly with dealing with high balls, which is strange for someone of his height. Um, but I think I think there's a there's a quality centre midfielder in him. He's, he's good on the ball, he can drive forward, likes to take the team forward from the, the deep positions. So I definitely think uh, he's got a future, big future, and he'll move on from Brentford. Definitely. And I don't think it's actually doing them a disservice to say they're a stepping stone club because I think they, they know what they're, they're getting into with him. He's a player mm-hmm. they've signed for about 15 million, probably with the view that they could sell him on for 25 in a couple of years' time or more. If he impresses in the Premiership, his value will just skyrocket. It will be interesting, actually, or, or maybe not. Uh, the word interesting might not be the right one. Uh, to look at Kieran Tierney, Chris Iyer... Odson Edward and Ryan Christie's next moves, you know, and then start adding up the deficit. Uh, Red Scotland comes in, Yota will be a baller. Uh, it certainly looks apart. Uh, Lee Griffiths has had his jotters, he's off to Dundee. Well, I suggested that he should go and uh, go to New York with Ronnie Dyler. Lawrence, that's where he played his best football of his career, and he's ended up at Dundee, so he obviously didn't take my advice. Do you think he'll be a success at Dundee? Yeah. Relatively, yeah. I mean, Dundee's not going to have anyone of his finishing ability, are they? So he's going to be the main striker. He likes being the main striker. You know, what's success for Lee Griffiths these days? I think it's just getting back and getting minutes in the, the football field and staying off the front pages would probably be success for him. Yeah, yeah. I've no doubt he'll get minutes. I'm not too sure he'll stay off the front pages. <laughs> 
that that's you know that's always going to be that concern. And then it gets to the point he's a thirty year old footballer, and already for me, he's on that trajectory. He's on that downward trajectory. You know, he's leaving the um, he's leaving a club like Celtic to join Dundee again. No disrespect, I've got pals who support Dundee. I wouldn't disrespect them, but he's on that trajectory that we have spoken about uh, when talking about the likes of Anthony Stokes, for example. Um, and it's always for me. I, I love to see people. Uh, fulfilling their potential I, I take no joy even in Cham I take no joy in any player leaving Celtic and and not doing well you know um, you know I'm very much like the club moves on the club's bigger than the players and that that's absolutely fine there's a couple of others I want to talk about though um, and the first one is Jack Hendry I mean we spoke on the on a, a pretty early pre-season pod about the comings and the goings. It would be interesting, Kevin, this week, maybe if Colin and I revisit what we said was going to happen or what should happen. Um, but one of the players we spoke long and hard about was Jack Kendry. And we were talking about the incoming manager, who at that time we didn't know who it was going to be. We thought it was going to be Eddie Howe. Um, there would be a clutch of players that they could maybe revitalise and you know resurrect. And we've seen it so often in the past, you know, when... Um, when Brendan Rodgers came in, he resurrected a player. When Martin O'Neill came in, he resurrected certain players. And I suppose the Cogloose done that, no doubt, absolutely no doubt. But we spoke about maybe guys that we had written off and we expected to leave and for them to come back and do a Ryan Christie. You know, they've been out there and done so, so well on loan and they come back in and they really contribute. And we felt perhaps that Jack Kenji was one of those guys and we're obviously still needing a centre-half. There's a huge section of Celtic support on this show who said no chance, you know, he's a bomb scare and they were watching him for for Scotland at the Euros and and they maintained that he wasn't Celtic class. Well, he went to Ustent, who had a a buyout kind of option on the deal. And it was for, in the region, of 1.75 million. So off he pops. And I don't think we lose any money on the player. But there's a there's a news story breaking this morning that he is a subject of a £10 million bid from Club Bruges already in the matter of months. And we're talking about protecting your assets and a mismanagement of recruitment and transfers, Kevin. If that was to go through, that really is a slap in the face. And I know, I know that Celtic did the deal if you like, in terms of the sell-on at the beginning of the term when he went to a stand, I know that. But surely he's still your player. Surely you end the loan deal, you bring him back, you know, because at that time there was a few English clubs interested and apparently they're going to enter the bidding as well. I mean, how um, gutted would you be if, you know, we wake up tomorrow and Henry signed for somebody for 10 or 12 million quid? Very, very gutted, I think. Because um, I'd probably be one of the the group of Celtic fans who during the summer or certainly at the start of the summer would have been just happy to get rid of Jack Henry because looking at his time with us he he underperformed massively didn't quite manage to step up to to fill the jersey but you see he's gone out to Belgium was he not player of the year for us then yeah. had a decent season over there we already knew there was interest from English Premiership clubs in him so it, it makes a lot of sense that we should have brought him back into the fold here, let the new man give him a month, two months to to kind of run his eye over him, see if he's good enough to make the step up. If not, we'd probably sell him around about now at the end of the transfer window and we'd still make our money back. I don't think there was actually any harm in us keeping him mm-hmm. and, and just seeing how he progressed. Because he's, he's obviously made progress over there, yeah. coming back a more confident player. So it will be a hard one to take. And it's another one that you say, we've probably seen it all coming before that this kind of move could happen and we're going to get stung. I know, I know. And, uh, you know, the irony is, I'm saying we need a centre-half. And and there he is. There's a £10 million centre-half right there. Um, Snick67 on Twitch. Welcome on Twitch, uh, to be honest, since we haven't. Uh, really made a lot in a day. I don't see us spending nine million again anytime soon. A couple of things I'd say on that. I think that the fact that we went out and got him showed you the kind of influence that Brennan Rogers had at that time, didn't it? I mean, he went to the board and he convinced them to break at the time, break the club's transfer record, which had stood for a long time, best part of twenty years, you know, since we brought in Chris Sutton for six million quid. Um and they did it. They bound it, they bowed down to his demands at that time, they brought him in. Um, but I, I tend to agree with that, Lawrence. You know, a club like Celtic, we have brought in expensive players 
Um, you know, since then we brought in Julien for seven million pound, which was a big buy. We bought in a couple of five million pound players who didn't work out in Barcas and Ayeti. But how likely is it really in the great scheme of things and with this landscape? I mean, we, we still seem to be uh, buying players in for the four and a half million pound, Kenny Brackett and Keogh and Starfelt. And then, you know, Giacomakis, apparently it's a two and a half million pound deal. So are those days gone? I think it's down to how much we trust the manager, really. Uh, yeah. It's going to be if the manager can build the trust and show they can develop players and sell them on, it, it then becomes easy to risk that type of money. But, but, but it's interesting, kind of, Eddie leads all on for Henry because we had a buyout clause and Eddie's deal. PSG couldn't just take him back if we operated our buyout clause. And I don't think that, I think that's the same way, Henry, you know. We couldn't just take him back into the fold. There was a buyout clause in that deal. And and they decided to you know, activate it. And at the time he signed, I think everybody was happy for Henry to go on loan for a season. There was no one saying, listen, you better keep that boy. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to be a player. It just wasn't working for him at Celtic. Uh, and after, obviously, they activate the buyout, buy it was then down to Jack Henry to decide if he wants to go to them or yeah. if he wants to stay at Celtic. So, and I can see maybe why, you know, he definitely had happier times there on the football field than he had at, at Celtic. So you can see why he walked his move. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And, and bearing in mind, Lawrence, you know, this was after that horrific uh, knee injury that he got over in Australia. So he's, he's maybe just looking for the right fit and he found it. And, you know, it's horrible to get a knockback from anybody uh, in football, but that that's what it feels like at the moment from Jack Kendry. Yeah, totally. And that's what it's understandable why you do it, though. You know, he's maybe looking and going, well, didn't really work for me. Whether he thought he was going to support the development, who knows? Didn't work for me. He couldn't get him out of the door quick enough on loan. And and now I'm sure about four years want me back. So, so it's understandable. And let's see if he gets a 10 million move, I'm sure he's going to go into bigger wages, isn't he? I don't think we were going to all of a sudden push the boat out of his wages if he came back. But who knows if Ange would even have fancied him as a player? Mm-hmm. I think he's still. Is he in it? I don't think he's the answer. I don't think he's the dominant centre half we're looking for. You know, I, just now if Henry was in our squad, if he had decided to stay, obviously they're still looking for another centre half. Yeah. Which, absolutely. absolutely. He's, he's a bit like Chris Julian and kind of his style of play and stuff. So I'm kind of going, well, that's not really what we need. We need somebody a bit more dominant. But, yeah, you know, I like, think we do. Good luck, him. good luck to him. He's obviously been over there, but he's put the application in. He's made a success here. I know, a success story of someone who's gone out on loan and found a club that fits his needs. Will McMillan makes the point. Griffiths will have to play through the booze everywhere he goes in Scotland. That was the one thing that surprised me, I've got to say. Um, when we were talking about Lee Griffiths, I thought he needs to get out of Scotland. He needs to get out of this bubble, um, start afresh in, in more ways than just in football. But he's in Dundee. So, you know, I, I do get Will's point. I think he will get a lot of stick wherever he goes. Um, and the Silver Fox reckons that we should have tried to keep Ryan Christie. That takes us on to the, the question of Christie. So, Ryan Christie, we all know the career in terms of Celtic. We sign him as one of the most promising young footballers in Scottish football. He comes in, he's loaned directly back to Inverness, Cali Thistle. Doesn't really get going when he comes back to Celtic, so he's loaned out to Aberdeen. And very much like the Jack Kendry deal. Nobody would have had any quibbles if, you know, Christie's Aberdeen loan deal turned into a permanent one back then. You know, I don't think anyone was, was you know, just basically one of the players like Scott Allen. You bring him in, he's a young potential um, future player for Celtic and it doesn't work out. But he comes back to the Celtic side um, and he comes in for that game at Murrayfield and he then, you know, it's quite clear that he's worked in terms of his own physical um, strength, you know, he developed massively uh, physically and as a player, Kevin, and he went on a run of form where he was one of our, our best players and I think that the, the one story I keep going back to, because you can't forget some of the important goals that he scored, you know in cup finals, for example uh, even just last season and the story I always go back to when he was at the kind of peak of his form for Celtic, I spoke to an Inverness Caledonian Thistle official who had been speaking to Peter Lowell about whether or not there was a likelihood that Ryan Christie would be leaving the club. And he was interested because Inverness Cali had a 15% sell-on on the transfer fee. And he was trying to figure out how much Ryan Christie would cost in the market. And I, I was trying to be 
pretty kind of sensible about it. And I think I said something along the lines of twelve and a half million quid or whatever. And if if you were doing really well, we'd maybe push up to fifteen. And this guy, who's an official at a football club in Scotland, was like, "No, no, no, we'll get more than that for him." You know, and that was back then. So how disappointing is it now? Fast forward, yeah, he had a poor season last season. Show me a Celtic player who didn't. Um, that we're going to be losing them and their contracts ran down or do you say you know what we're going to lose them in January for nothing so take the couple of million quid and run I just think he is the player that I think could flourish under Ange had he stayed at Celtic but it's looking unlikely what's your thoughts Kev? Uh, it's, it's really disappointing I think that he's leaving uh, out of the two that's going to go today him and Edward Christie's the one I think that's most suited to Angie's style of play mm-hmm. putting him either in the midfield alongside McGregor and Turnbull or having him on one of the wide rolls out up front. like His style is just perfectly suited to the way Ange wants to play the game. And you know that when Christie's on form, he's one of the top players in, in Scotland. You see the amount of big games that he's, he's scored goals in cup finals, semi-finals, he's, he'll be a big miss to us, I think. And yeah, it's, it's massively disappointing that we're going to lose him for, you say, a million Two million. When you know, if you'd sold them last season, you're going to get ten times that maybe. If you tie him down on a on a longer term contract just now, you can sell him for ten times that, or you can keep him in the team. You keep him happy, and we're a stronger team for having him. So I for for me, he he'll be he'll be a big loss. His energy will be a big loss to that midfield. You know, there's a lot of comments coming through. I, I get that he, he blew hot and cold, absolutely, and, and no more so, none more so rather than last season. Um, and I also don't think he was a it was his best performance at the weekend. Uh, some have suggested that he's not turned up against Rangers yet. Absolutely take all of that into account. But I think what we've seen an, enough of this season is that Ange can get a tune out of him. You know, he, he does seem to fit. Angie's style. I think the biggest error, and he's admitted it himself, Christie should have been playing out left at the weekend, 100%. You know, he's, he's played so well out there. Kugel should have been through the middle. But it's almost as if we've, we've kind of set up to accommodate Edouard and it didn't work out. And that's just the way it is. And that's why we've not won the game. Um, Christie's moved just for the money. A lot of players, absolutely, they will do that. But I think also, though, when he was at the top of his form, when he had a fair lengthy time left on his contract, um, and when I spoke to the, the guy who was interested in the, the sell-on fee, it's at that point that you look at the player and you say, well, you know what, you're not one of the best paid players at the club because we know that he's not. And it's at that point that you give him a new deal. So again, a wee bit of complacency, maybe a, another legacy issue. The Jack Hendry thing's a legacy issue. There's nothing that the CEO could really do about that coming in. He can't really do much about the Ryan Christie thing unless the manager convinces him to stay. Lawrence, he's going to be a big loss, though, I think, judging by his form so far this season. Listen, definitely, but as far as I know, you know, Christie's uh, had a number of offers to put, put to him. Uh, if a player doesn't want to say, you can't, you know, you can't force him. What, what, what really worries me is about letting him go for a million or two just now. We're, we're so short of players and he's our, one of our informed players. He's making so much happen for us. I think it's really short-sighted. We should be going, like, you know, just take that hit, let him go for nothing, January transfer window. We need his performances between now and Christmas because we, we are so, so short on the left-hand side. Portuguese boy comes in. We already needed cover. It's it's just a replacement. We don't know how good he's going to be. I would have kept Christie and just said, "Look, keep your million, your two million, whatever. We're going to keep him a January transfer window." And yeah, he may get himself a better move because he is actually playing. Pre- you know, he's played a lot better this season than he did last season. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's something maybe Ryan should have considered. If if I stay here and play another four or five months like this, what clubs are going to be interested in me then? Yeah. You know, I don't think that, you know, those are definite stepping stone clubs for Christie, aren't they? That he's been linked with, so. We shall yeah. see. 
because that's a big test. There's a lot of players gone down there, and I think being shocked at the physicality of the game, standard of the game, and they might not get a, a better standard. However, it will be an interesting Axom uh, broadcast to look back in a year's time to where all these guys are now and how much uh, money's been spent on them. Facebook user comes in, don't know which one it is yet because your face isn't shown. I just woke up and that's no Kev. Well, I can assure you it is Kev. It's maybe not the Kev you were expecting, but it is Kevin McCluskey. Kevin McCluskey, a Celtic fan from <laughs> hi, uh, from the central Scotland area, but he is definitely our Hungarian football expert and correspondent. And we thought it was about time he came back on, Kevin. We had a wee chat at the beginning of the show, but we'll certainly end up by doing a deep dive into Ferenc Varos. It's been a wee while since we saw them up close and personal. Um, you know, that was that was one of the, the first signs for a lot of people. I, I say this for a lot of people last season, that we had big issues, big, big problems with things like defending and big issues with goalkeeping and being able to get the job done. Um, you know, that was the game where we, we started without a recognised striker up front, etc. Um, a lot of Celtic fans knew there were issues before then, absolutely, and credit to you for spotting it. But a lot of Celtic supporters last season were looking at that that Champions League result and thinking, we should have beat that side. But we spoke to you that week, Kevin. And you give us a lowdown of Ferenc Varos. Who are we going to have to look out for when the clubs meet? And it's the 30th of September, the first leg at Celtic Park. Interestingly enough, at 3.30 in the afternoon. So who, who are we looking out for this time round? Um, they've, um, they've made a few changes since the last time we played them. So there's a few new faces to look out for. One of the biggest changes though, is that Rebrov's no longer the manager. So they've he left in the summer. He's been replaced by a guy called Peter Stuger, who was a former coach of Borussia Dortmund um, and also Austria-Vienna. Uh, his appointment in the summer was not well received by the fans because Ferenc Varos has got a fan link with Rapid Vienna. So to bring in a guy from Austria-Vienna didn't go down very well. But he's, he's come in and he's kind of changed the style of play a little bit. So where Rebrov was a 4-3-3, he's now gone 4-2-3-1. And he's definitely he's a lot more offensive-minded than Rebrov was. Kind of always felt with his teams it was it was about getting the win, getting the mm. result. Whereas Stoger's a bit more attack-minded. They're certainly more open at the back. But going forward, they've got a lot of pace and a lot of strength up there. So I think probably the players that we're going to have to look out for, you've obviously got Tokmak scored the goal at Celtic Park last season um, and uh, one of the new signings in the summer, a guy called Ryan May he's a centre forward they brought in from Limassol for about 750,000 euros He's um, he plays a kind of centre forward and outside right position got a couple of goals at the weekend very strong uh, pacey, plays off the shoulder of the last defender a little bit like Kyogo, I guess, mm. in that style. Um, and kind of very dangerous in front of goal. So I think probably that's that's your two key men. Um, actually, May only got the one at the weekend. It was uh, Mac who scored two. Sorry, correct myself. He plays off the left of the front three. He's a guy that, again, that came in last season. He's had a year to settle in. Um, the front three are all kind of very similar. They're interchangeable, move around very well pulling defenders out of position so mm -hmm. uh, the, the front three talk Mac Mac and me are definitely the, the three to look out for Will you come back on to that some uh, bulletin before the game uh, we'll have another wee chat with you see how you are getting on Yes I'll definitely come back on before if you'll have me Good man Lawrence, always a pleasure, even when you've scrolled graffiti on your whiteboard before you came onto the broadcast and it kept you late. Sorry for any connection problems. Um, a few wee gremlins trying to take us off air, I think. But thank you all for the, the 1,500 of you that, that uh, tuned in live there. And for everybody who is going to be watching this uh, non-live after the event, on YouTube, etc. If you're not already subscribing, please do so. Today is the last day you can win the Fratelli's Platinum Disc which is just over here, over my shoulder. This was presented to John Fratelli. Um, that was presented to John Fratelli for 600,000 sales of Castello Music. So, yes, if you want to win that, 
get subscribing on the YouTube channel. Uh, we give away prizes every month, sometimes every week. Thank you all for tuning in and thank you to Kevin McCluskey and to Lawrence Conley for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.